Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. What a beautiful fall morning in Colorado, huh? It's great. No Bronco game, so we decided to go a little longer today. We should be out by one. Friday, I had uh, one of the most inspirational days I've had in a long, long, long time. I didn't see it coming. My friend uh, Bob McClellan, who was here last week down here, who our church is going to start supporting uh, Empty Tomb Ministries. They do ministry uh, predominantly, a lot of it in some of the foreign countries in, in Uganda especially, but they do a prison ministry, and he asked me to come and be a part of their ministry uh, from 11 o'clock to 9 o'clock at the uh, Larimer County Jail. And uh, I said yes, not because I was really excited about that, but, you know, I appreciate Bob so much, and so I said, okay. I'd had a long week, busy week, a lot of things go on. Friday morning, I thought, oh, I'm too tired. I really don't want to go. But I made a commitment and said, okay, Lord, will you just give me the strength to, to go? And I'll tell you about it in a second. It was one of the most inspirational days I've had in a long, long time. What I want to say to you, I thought about that this morning. I thought, you know what? Would you encourage or invite somebody to church? You know, I, I'm not all about growth, but you know, I will never be satisfied until everyone, every seat is filled in here. Because I don't believe God gave us a facility so that it could be a quarter full, half full, three quarter full, 95% full. That's just my theological bent or belief. If you don't agree or whatever, that's fine. We don't have to agree on everything. Politically, maybe we don't all. I understand those things. But I am not going to be satisfied. And I don't believe God gave us this building until every seat is filled. Why would he give it to us? If he didn't expect it to be filled. But here's the point. Hey, well, let's get excited about it. We got, and I'm going to talk about the next three weeks, some end time stuff. We got a broken, hurting world who are looking for answers. And we have the answer. So we should all be excited about filling this place up. Ask somebody to come to church. And you know what? What might happen is they might not want to come. Like I didn't want to go with, with Bob. But they think, well, I guess I said yes, so I better do it. And it might be life changing. First of all, when we started to go to the jail, uh, we got a call that they were in lockdown. And uh, so something was going on at the jail. And so you think, ah, you really want to go even further. Don't really know what's happening there. And one of the guys said, you know what? I think this is spiritual warfare. A lot of people don't understand spiritual warfare. Said, I just think the enemy's trying to keep us out. So let's just pray. So we went to Taco John over there and sat there and we just prayed that God, if he wanted us to be there, would open a door. And about five minutes later, we got a call. We could come in. Now, the only other time I'd have and I got to get to my message here pretty soon. This is not even the introduction yet. <laughs> um, the only other time I'd ever ministered in a jail was in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. And it's not like normal jails here. And there was about 600 uh, inmates and about 20 guards. And they showed us a way out. They said, if there's a riot, you got to get out or you may never get out. I mean, it's a whole different world. So, man, I was scared. I mean, I really prayed. And so uh, this time didn't feel quite as threatening. And uh, I really didn't want to be there until the inmates started coming in. And when I got to shake my shake each hand, I just began to feel a love for each guy that I that I could grab their hand. And say, hey, how you doing, man? Glad you're here today. And they didn't look all like us. How many of you know that? And my heart just started to, to fall in love with the guys individually. And, 
and go on. And then and then uh, so the day went on and I had the last session. I was just supposed to share my testimony. And then the leaders of the group came and said, hey, we're going to have an extra half an hour. So if you want to kind of share the word. And I won't go through all of that. But when I had a chance to share my testimony and then lead on into the word, I, I hadn't come to prepare to share the word. That's why I read the word every day and I plant it in my heart so that even when I'm not ready, I'm ready. And God could bring that. And he was bringing the story of Gideon to me. And to make a long story short, uh, uh, at the very end, uh, here's about 60 inmates. And I said, uh, I, I sense it's a number of you are Christians. And they said, yeah. And I said, what are you doing in here? What are you doing in here? I said, I'm not being judgmental. I'm saying we need you out there. The Gideons that go out there and say, hey, I want to change the world for Christ. I want to be a real man and, and die on the hill of doing something beyond my selfishness. And I told him earlier I wanted to be a coach. So I said, hey, all my yelling, I'm being a coach. I said, a lot of times the game's not won on the field. It's, game, it's, it's won in the locker room. Where you get in there and you make a resolve that you're going to be a team. And you're going to fight for each other. And you're going to go out and win. And you're not going to say no. And you're not going to throw in the towel. And you're going to go to the last second. And you're going to leave it all out on the field. And they were going, tell us, coach, tell us. It was, it was church in, in the jail in a way. I mean, I got goosebumps. I, I hadn't experienced that in a long time. And at the end, I said, if you want to be a Gideon, you want to be a world changer, you want to be a real man, I want to encourage you to stand up and come forward. And all of a sudden, there's 50, 55 guys that are coming to the front. And they're weeping and they're falling on their knees and they're saying, Jesus, have mercy on me. And they're hugging on each other and they're crying and they say, I want to be a man. I want to get out of here and I want to be a world changer. It was incredible. I mean, I've done drugs in my day. I've done a lot of stuff in my day. There's no high like that. They were hungry and thirsty because they're down and they're broken and they realize they've been failures and they've made bad choices and bad decisions and they realize they need to change their life. And I want to say to you, probably in the next few weeks, you're going to see some of those guys come in here. Man, I, I didn't have enough cards. They started asking me for a card. Where, where are you, pastor, man? I, want, I need to come. I want to come. And then I was writing down my name and I said, we want you here. Do we want them here? You know what? They don't look like you. Some of them are tattooed from top to bottom. Some of them got really long hair. Some of them confess they've got meth addictions. Do we want them here? We do. And when they come, I hope we're loving on them. We hope we're loving on them. What did I mean by that? I don't know. I just want to say to you folks, there's opportunity. And your heart might not always want to do that. But you know what? I had to get out of my comfort zone. I had to do something I'd never done before. To get something I'd never had in a long time. Think about that. I've entitled my message today, Are We Alert? And Are We Prepared? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for when I didn't want to go, you had a surprise for me. When I wanted to rest, you wanted me to rest in you in a new way. I just pray for all those brothers over there, those 60 guys, Lord that we had a chance to minister to. I just pray you'd bless them, encourage them. Those that made first-time commitments, those that made recommitments, those who stood up and said, I want to be a Gideon, I want to be a, a godly leader for my generation. God, these guys could change the world. And so I just pray for them today, you'd bless them. But I not only pray for them, I pray for us here. 
Because you want us to do the same thing. You want us to leave it all out on the field. You want us to get beyond our comfort zones to go and make a difference in our world. You're calling us. Will we answer the call? And so I just love you and thank you and worship you, God, for that great opportunity. I'm still on a high. I thank you that spiritual highs uh, uh, last a little bit longer than the alcohol and drugs that I used to do. And uh, so I'm still on that intoxicated high of of you ministering to human beings with your love, mercy, and grace. Lord, the next three weeks, I pray you'd help us to uh, kind of get in the thought of what's going on here in regard to the last days and the end times. Give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Let us look into your word. And I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. During your educational or schooling years, did you score better on a pop quiz or when you knew that the test was coming? Think about it for a moment. I asked myself that question several times this week and I just chuckled because, you know, Tess and I don't get along. Okay, we never have, never will. Whether it's a pop quiz or it's a, it's a test that's been told, I am not good at tests. But my assumption is most people will tell you they did better on a test when they knew that it was coming so that they could prepare. If we're living in the last days, the end times, do you think you'll be better off just trying to handle situations the best you can when something happens or if you prepare ahead of time? I'll be honest with you, I have a great concern that a lot of us won't be ready. The Bible says, wide is the path that leads to destruction, and many go thereby, and only a few will find it. And it says in the end days that, that many of them will be deceived, even the elect. I think, I think what's going on in our, in our country, in our church, uh, world, it's very subtle. That it's like that frog in the kettle. You ever heard that illustration? You know, if you take a frog and you throw it into a uh, pot of boiling water, he's going to jump right out because it's so hot. But if you put that frog in that kettle and the, the water is just a little bit warm and you turn it up a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, he doesn't really understand that it's changing, even though it's changing slowly. And then eventually it dies because it got too hot. I think that's really true of what's going on today. One little thing, uh, 30 years ago, can you imagine, can you think about what the TV shows were? Or the movies that were Hollywood was producing? Have you seen how slowly it's changed? I've been now starting to watch the movies that are coming out and their trailers and, and the TV shows. And, and I just kind of throw those. I don't even need to pay attention. I'm concerned that if we are in the last days, the end days, and I believe we are, and I'll talk about it. That these things are happening so subtly that we don't even recognize they're going on. The Bible speaks quite clearly that in the last days, the end times, Christians are to be alert and prepared. So the question is, are you? Are we? Are we prepared? I believe far too many Christians, we're just going about our business. We're just going about our life. Like, like it was the good old days, when all around us, storm clouds are building. 
And I believe the end time scenario is, is creeping closer to us. And yet we can just be caught in the same old, same old. And so I'm going to ask you to consider or reconsider the reality of what the Bible says about the end days. And then the next two weeks, not today, but the next two weeks after that, I'm going to give us some characteristics that are going on in our world, in our nation, in the news that prophetically say we're growing closer. How many of you know in the book of Ezekiel, it says in the end days that things will happen quicker and faster than ever before? Look at technology. I want us to talk for just a brief moment today about the book of Revelation. Ooh. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you read the book of Revelation? Don't have to raise your hand. (laughs) Didn't I say that? (laughs) What is it about you? (laughs) You don't have to raise your hand. (laughs) How many of you have not read the book of Revelation? How many of you are scared of it? You've heard that it's eerie or it's so mysterious. It's the last book of what we all call the canon, the canonized Bible, 66 books. You've heard me tell you before that the last words you say to somebody before they're, they're ready to pass away or before you leave them or the end of a book or the end of a movie or the end of a story, what you say at the end is very important. And this is the last book. And so I want to, at least for the next three weeks, encourage you to pick up your Bible and start reading the book of Revelation. I'll talk about that in a moment. But let me give you just a quick couple of, of overview thoughts. Number one, it's written by the Apostle John about 90 A.D. On the island of Patmos, John was a zealous follower and proclaimer of Jesus Christ. And it cost him a great deal. They didn't know how to get rid of him, so they sent him off to a, a deserted island. What I think is so interesting uh, The Lord uses natural realities to teach us spiritual truths. He was isolated and banished and being uh, punished. And yet the last book of the Bible was written by him. What I want to say is that oftentimes when we when we're punished or when we're isolated or we feel like God's not there for us, sometimes his greatest work is going on in us so that it can go on through us. Thank God that John got sent off to Patmos, so that he could have an encounter with Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ, and he could write the, the final book of the Bible and tell us the final times of human history. Isn't that neat? Number two, the purpose. It was given to Christian. it was to give Christians hope by revealing Jesus as the ultimate winner and victor. In that time, a lot of Christians were suffering And being persecuted for their faith. And they were confused and they were losing hope and they needed to to refocus. Now some of you will agree with me and some of you will disagree with me. But I want you to know persecution for Christians in the church is here now. It's not just coming. It's here now. And it's going to continue to increase. Because if you uphold Biblical understanding and biblical truth, you are now not only the outsider, you're the enemy. You're homophobic if you believe that God created man and woman to be together. And a lot of this is displaying itself in our political arena right now. And I'm not going to get too far off on all of that. I talked about that a week or so ago. But what I want to tell you 
is in these times that we Christians who stand up and a lot when when the persecution comes, if you're not a strong Christian, I'll go. Well, I I don't I don't want to pay that price. You know when you learn to pay the price, it's right now. You make the decision now. If you wait till then, and I used to tell my kids, I said if uh, if you don't make a decision to stay pure till marriage. When you get in that particular situation, if you haven't already made that commitment and that conviction, it's going to be easier for you to fall prey. I want to say to you right now that if you're not recognizing that persecution's coming to those of us that are born-again Christians are going to stand to the Word of God, you may not be ready when they come knocking on your door. The time to make that decision is now. And the book of Revelation was to give them hope that no matter what happens here on this fallen earth planet, earthly life, Jesus Christ is the victor. He is the winner. And we need to keep our eyes on him on an eternity when, when the, all the stuff goes haywire. Number three, it describes um, end times events. You know, I've had a lot of people say, well, I tried to read that and it was mysterious and it was difficult. And so I, I just didn't read it. Hey, we need to read it. We may not even understand a lot of it, but begin to expose yourself. And it's amazing how God and through his Holy Spirit can take something that you don't even realize at the moment. You don't understand at the moment. And then he gives you revelation or understanding a little bit later. If you don't put it in your heart, and you don't plant it. He can't use it. It's kind of like when I went to the jail. I wasn't prepared. To share a message because that's not what my assignment was. At the last moment, you need to share from the Word. And I just said, Lord, what do you want me to share? But because I'm a man of the Word and I plant the Word in my heart, then He could begin to bring a story to me and say, here's what I want you to talk about. I didn't have time. I didn't have my Bible with me. But my Bible was in my heart. So the Holy Spirit could bring it up. I want to encourage you to read the book of Revelation, even if you don't understand 95% of it. Because 95% of it that you didn't understand still got in your heart. And at some point in the moment, the Lord can bring revelation and understanding. Oh, well, now I know what that means. Four, it gives a few descriptions of heaven. Read, uh, read the last two chapters of, of Revelation, and it, it describes heaven, and it's very encouraging, and it's inspirational. But I've said to the Lord, I said, Lord, it doesn't, the Bible doesn't speak a lot about heaven. You ever notice that? We're all talking about going to heaven, and, and by being a Christian, we get to go to heaven, and yet God doesn't speak very much about heaven in the Word, and I don't really understand it. All I can say is it's kind of like if I know what I'm getting at Christmas time, it's not all that exciting. So if you guys will just buy that gift and just tell me a little bit about it. You don't have to tell me all what you got me. All of you are thinking right now what you're going to get me for Christmas. I just, I just know that. Right, bud? I don't know why he doesn't, but he gives us enough to get pretty pumped up. If you haven't read the last two ch chapters of Revelation, let me encourage you to do it. Because it does begin to describe about heaven. Number five. Promise blessings to those who read here and keep the word of this book. How many of you know that in the first chapter, if you read it, well, matter of fact, let me go there real quick so that you know what I'm talking about. How many of you want to be blessed? How many, how many of you have noticed that our human nature, we want all the blessings. We just don't always want to do what it takes to get the blessings. Huh? Mom? Dad? Give me the car keys? Well, you've got to be responsible first. Why? I'm a kid. 
Sometimes we're adolescents in our spiritual faith. That's not a put down. It's just for all of us, it's human nature. Well, look at verse uh, Revelation 1.3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep these things which are written for the time is near. Hey, you want to get a blessing? It says right there, read the book. <laughs> well, you don't have to have a, uh, a degree in uh, whatever. It just says, read the book and you'll get blessed. I encourage you to do that. And the final one, the announcement that the time is near and Jesus is coming quickly. In the last days, the end times, if they started 2,000 years ago approximately, how close are they today? If the end times started nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus said that, the apostles said that, how close are we? I believe many of the world events that are going on right right now are screaming to humanity, Jesus is coming quickly. You know, sometimes preachers are afraid to preach on this too much because people go, oh, wow, he's an end times guy and doomsday and all the weird stuff that's out there. It's our obligation to teach the word, all the word. And so I'm just telling you, you know, this end time stuff is not, uh, I haven't given myself a lot to it. Early in my Christian faith, you know, you get excited, the end times, Hal Lindsey, late great planet Earth, all that stuff. And then you get into life and you got some other things and you think, well, that's a long time off. And, and so I'm trying to learn right now. I'm trying to be open. I'm trying to be available. I'm trying to seek the spirit of God. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to take a look at some end time stuff on are you ready and are you prepared? You know, sometimes we preachers, or most of the time we preachers feel like, uh, especially, you know, teachers are different, but us preachers, sometimes um, we just feel like we need to elaborate on God's Word. And I was praying earnestly for this three-week message and three-week series, and I feel like the Lord's given me some direction on what He wants. But today, it's just to read some Scriptures to you. Let the Word be the Word. Let the Word speak to you without a bunch of elaboration on my part, even though I'll say a few different things. And the reason for that is because Christians sometimes have not studied their Bibles. They haven't read the Word to know what the Bible says about being alert and being prepared. Yeah, they've got this kind of general knowledge that, yeah, we may be living in the last days, and, and I probably should be alert and prepared, but they, they, they don't have any conviction about that. They have an opinion, a a soft opinion, but they don't have a conviction. And so I'm going to take you to the Word today. If you have your Bible, we're going to run through it. And this is not my normal style, but we're going to run through Scripture. And if you don't have it, you can look up there, but I encourage you to bring your Bible. Man, again, we need to have the Bible in our heart, but sometimes we need it in our hand. There's times where I need to go back, yeah, where is it? Or guys, you know, as I get older, it was on the top left side of my page. You know what I'm saying? Ah, oh, hey, are you a guest? Hey, Cody brought me some living water. I usually don't drink when I preach, but uh, are you supposed to laugh at that? You don't know what Cody gave me here, man. Thank you, bro. Go to the Word. Are you ready? 
Are you prepared for the last days if we're living in the last of the last days? What if? What if the Antichrist is alive today? What if this is the final generation? I'll talk about that in a moment, but are you ready? Am I ready? Are we prepared? Matthew chapter 24, 36 through 44. These are the words of Jesus. Do you think they're important? (laughs) I love you, Jesus. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. Amen. Let's listen to his word. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as in the days of Noah, that's going to be important. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the next couple of weeks, because what was going on in the day of Noah. But as in the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. The two will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would also have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you don't expect. Don't play Russian roulette with the second coming. Meaning, oh, I'll see it at the last minute and I'll jump on the train. (laughs) that will be too late. Matthew chapter 25, 1 through 13. Again, who's speaking? Jesus. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Sounds like a bunch of Christians to me, doesn't it? Now, five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps, but took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with the lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they slumbered and they slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Okay, it's happening now. Let's all go get ready. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us. You go, rather, to those who sell and buy yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Surely I say to you, I don't know you. Watch, therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Mark chapter uh, 13. Mark 13, 32 and following. Words of Jesus again. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, nor the Father. Take heed, watch, And pray, for you do not know when the time is. 
It's like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work. And he commanded the doorkeepers to, to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening, at midnight, on the crowing, crowing of the rooster or in the morning, lest coming suddenly, which the Bible says he will, you won't have time to prepare then, he will find you sleeping. None of us should be sleeping at that time. And I say to you then what? Watch. Are we alert? Are we prepared? Luke chapter 12. Luke 12. 35. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding. That when he comes and knocks, they may open it immediately. Blessed are the servants whom the master, when he comes, that they, he finds them watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have uh, sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if you come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find themselves, blessed are those, uh, those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Romans chapter 13. And please know this is not an exhaustive list. I could probably uh, list... uh, you know, another 20, 30 scriptures that speak on this. But these are some highlights. Romans thirteen eleven. And do this. Knowing that the time that now it is high time to wake up out of our sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. How many of you know we're one day closer? First Thessalonians 5. One through six. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, that you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. And when they say peace and safety, those are key words. Everything's fine. We're getting better. Sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet as a hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Second uh, Thessalonians 2. Second Thessalonians 2. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering together to, to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by the spirit or the word or the letter 
or the political election as if it was from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no man deceive you by any means, for the day of the Lord will not come unless the falling away comes first. I could preach on that. And the man of sin is revealed in the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God. Preach on that, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was with you, I told you these things? And now you know that what is restraining, that it may be revealed in its own time. For the mystery of lawlessness, and I'm going to talk about that next week. That's one of the points that I'm going to talk about next week. The spirit of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who restrains will do so until he was taken out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is in according with the works of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying and wonders. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And with all unrighteous deception, I'm going to talk about that. Among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God sent them a strong delusion. I'm going to talk about that, that they should believe the lie. Hebrews 11:7. Dylan, once you guys, and Renelda, if you guys can make your way back here. Hebrews 11. Remember it said that as in the days of Noah, if you look in Hebrews 11, 7, it says, By faith, knowing, being divinely warned of things, divinely warned of things, not yet seen. Divinely warned of things, yet not seen. I'm going to talk about that. Moved with godly fear. Prepared an ark. What a fool he was. It hadn't rained in the desert for Hundreds of years. And he's preparing an ark. He was alert. He was prepared. He knew what the Spirit of the Lord was saying. Prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteous, uh, which is according to faith. First Peter 1. 1 Peter 1.13 Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. And rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 4, 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. First Peter 5, 8. Be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 2 Peter 3, 1 through 13. Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle, in both which I stir you up by your minds by way of reminder that you may be reminded of the words which were spoken. Before, by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. Oh, my. We're living in a scoffing culture. Walking according to their own lusts and saying, where's the promise of this coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget 
that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water by which the world uh, that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which now are being preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this one thing that the Lord with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some may count slackness, but he's long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that we all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are to be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And then Revelation chapter 3, this is last Verse of today, Revelation 3, 1 through 6. This is speaking to um, the church at Sardis. I could preach a little more on that. It's called the dead church. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you're alive, but you're dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which uh, remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you do not watch, I will come with you as a thief, and you will know what hour you do not know what hour I will come. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Listen, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my father and his angels. Now listen, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I don't know about you in the last minute here, I want to say this. I don't know about you, but it's somewhat still hard for me to believe that Jesus is coming quickly. I don't know what that means, but he's coming quickly. I know that in my mind. I know that in my theology, but it's hard to get that into into practice. And here's the illustration. Somebody could tell me tomorrow or could tell me today, you know, you're going to you could die tomorrow. Jeff, did you know you could die tomorrow? And in my mind, I would go, yeah, I know there's a possibility. We're all going to die, and I might die tomorrow. But about 99.9% of me is going, but it's probably not going to happen. And so I'm not going to live out of that 0.1%. I'm going to live out of the 999 And yet I think we can get ourselves in trouble because you know what? We may not be ready because we're on, eh, nah, not much of a chance. I'm going to spend the next couple of weeks, 
there's no way to do a, an exhaustive or elaborate thing, but I'm going I'm to share several things that I see going on in our world and in our culture that speak of the coming prophecy that will usher in the coming of Jesus Christ. And how do, how do, we, how do we get alert and how do we get prepared if we, if we can't see it? Probably a, a bad illustration, but maybe an illustration. I don't know if, how many of you have seen, uh, verified, that uh, the, the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, has just called all ambassadors and representatives home, everybody that uh, has kids in foreign areas to come home, preparing for what? We don't hear that. All we're hearing about Donald and Hillary. We don't recognize why is the president, they're saying we're living in a day, how many of you remember the days of the Cold War? And, you know, everybody's preparing, you get under your chairs, you know, under the tables at, at classrooms. They say the day we're living in today is much more dangerous and alarming than the Cold War. Who told you that? We're not hearing that stuff. Is that a preparation? I don't know. I'm going to give you some things that I'm seeing, and that's just thing. Is that it's hard to it's go what? But the reality is, there's got to be something going on that the president of Russia is calling all the, their ambassadors and children of those people in Russia to come home. Not because they have a present for him. It's because they something's going on. Now, you know, is that fear-mongering? Is anything going to happen? I don't know, but I want to keep the next two weeks taking you back to some current events that I believe fit into prophetic things that says it's happening, friends, and it's coming faster than we know. And just because I want to bury my head in the sand and hope that it's not in my lifetime, that's like saying, you know what, I know the test is coming, but if I believe it's not, it won't. My teachers never bought into that. How many of your teachers bought that? I thought, okay, you're not going to give me a test. You're not going to give me a test. You're not going to give me a test. Did that influence in them at all? Because in their mind, I'm giving you a test. I'm giving you a test. The Bible says the, the Lord's coming in a time that we don't know. And are we alert and are we prepared? So next two weeks, we're going to try to describe that and unveil that in, in a little bit of, of context. We need to be alert. We need to be prepared. Let's stand and worship. Fall down 
doesn't come back for 300 years. I still want to do the best job I can as a spiritual leader responsible for you spiritually. I want to do the best job I can to prepare now. I'd rather warn us now and it'd be 300 years away and miss it than not to be prepared myself and not to warn you now and then and then it happens. I don't know when he's coming back. I'm not going to predict it. I'm going to simply say, what does the Bible say prophetically will happen in the end days? It says that, you know, when you when you began to see, let's say in springtime, when you begin to see the weather warm up and you begin to see, uh, you know, the buds, you know, the weather is going to get warmer. We need to be able to read the signs of the times. And so I feel I have an obligation before God and you to say, hey, so it's just a few weeks, the next couple of weeks. I want to take a look at that. All right? I'm trying to do the best job I can to be a good spiritual leader for you, for our culture. And uh, so let's make sure that we're open and available so that we're alert and we're prepared. Amen? God bless you. Have a great day.